Let's get this. Let's get this going. Let's get our the energy. I'm ready. I'm here. Hello and welcome to a Bridgerton podcast. I'm Ben Butler, one of your hosts, and with me is Robert Christmas. Robert. Robert. Hey, how are you? I haven't been called Robert since I was like in middle school. Anyway, uh, I'm fine with that. Yeah, Robert. Robert's fine. Cool. So for folks uh, who aren't aware uh, and are just, you know, excited to listen to a podcast about a show that they don't know, um, Bridgerton is part Jane Austen, part Gossip Girl, and the first series to come out of the collaboration of Netflix and production company Shondaland who previously brought us uh, both Scandal and Grey's Anatomy. Bridgerton was described by Vanity Fair's Sonia Sar- Saraya as frothy, silly escapism, the perfect Christmas offering for a craptastic year, which is also, I think, how you your latest gig was described, uh, I think, uh, Robbie, <laughs> at, the, at the end of the year. <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, some people, uh, most people listening to this probably don't realize I'm a musician, so having been a performer for my pretty much my entire life, uh, I can tell you that if your performance is regarded as frothy, silly escapism, then you are doing something right. That's yeah. that is high praise. I didn't realize that they also that that makes sense that they did the um, the same people that brought you Scandal and Grey's Anatomy brought you uh, Bridgerton. That totally makes sense now. Um, and yeah, look, like you know, as Vanity Fair. Um, mentioned this was released at the end of the year and it was kind of I think pitched as the perfect antidote to uh, what has been a, a, sh- a shitty year for all but yeah. you know recording this in early January 2021 like mm-hmm. it seems that uh, the full revolution uh, around the sun that we call our year has not really solved our problems <laughs> of 2020 and things <laughs> are still pretty bad and yeah. will continue to be for a while so yeah. I think we need shows like Bridgerton and we need podcasts like this as well so what is this this podcast of dudes talking about Bridgerton? Um, yeah. And who's it for? Well, you know, it's a podcast about Bridgerton, as our reductive name would suggest. Yeah. Um, and it's for a couple of different people, right? It's for people like me who binge the show the week it came out. But it's also for people who, like Robbie, are measuredly making their way through the eight-episode series. Yeah. Um, and it's also for people who, you know, have someone in their lives who's a massive fan, but can't bring themselves to watch the show. So consider this like your sort of water cooler primer um, and particularly, I guess, in a time of, of COVID, uh, with conversation topics being pretty limited, Bridgerton, I think, is going to be a thing for, for another while. And I actually used to do something like this, Robbie, on Sunday nights before school, uh, like have like a little primer before I went in for the week. Wait, you would listen to a podcast about like a romantic series? Uh, no, I, I wish. That would be the dream I'd have no issues with, uh, you know, conversing with the boys if that was the case. But <laughs> I... Uh, I used to watch uh, like sort of a premiership like soccer roundup. Um, just like I'd be like, oh, yes, that goal from David Beckham was really good, right? Uh, just to make it through the week. That's amazing because I, I remember doing the same exact thing. It was so bad that my mom was suggesting that I watch something on like TV about sports so that I could talk about it. It's pretty sad. It was, it was pretty sad. Well, look, this is also for all the little boys out there who don't want to watch sport or little girls who don't want to watch sport and want to watch Bridgerton. I think that's that's fine, yeah. you know? Yeah. I guess we just get into it, Robert. Like, yeah, do you want to maybe talk, talk us through yeah. your, your thoughts on, on episode one? Yes. So, uh, yeah, so I've got some notes here. Um, uh, Julie Andrews mm-hmm. does the uh, narration for this, and she um, she's kind of narrating this whole thing throughout the show as... as um, 
uh, as our characters move along. It's Lady Whistlebottom, right? Uh, no, that's Featherbottom. Whistledown. Whistledown. That's right. Whistledown. Yeah. Lady Whistledown. I'm still getting used to the names because I've. That's I've, okay. I'm only in the first two episodes. So anyway, so we meet the uh, the other family. We meet the uh, Featherbottoms, and we see the, Penelope. The Featheringtons. Yep. I know you. you Why want do I keep wanting to, be... to say Featherbottom? Why do I keep? I wanting... think I think you're thinking of Neville Longbottom from Harry Potter. Yeah. That makes sense. When is Neville going to show up? Does uh, Neville show up at I, some point? Or just... I don't. I don't want to give any spoilers away at this stage. All right. Okay. So. I don't really fully understand like what Lady Featherington does. Is she just like kind of like like prime these young women into being like desirable, quote unquote, for suitors? Yeah, I guess like, a, 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 a big thing is that none of the people in the show really do anything. Like they, <laughs> um, like by by virtue of being uh, the sort of landed gentry is the term who like own land right. and are just. Like members of the aristocracy, um, they don't do like doing things is for poor people, um, right? So okay. Lady Featherington and all the other sort of uh, mamas in yes, the, in the, the ladies. In yes, um, their main job this season is to um, prep their debutantes and ensure a successful match for their for their daughters. Yeah. Okay, so Penelope says like, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm willing to opt out of the season," mm-hmm. um, and Lady Featherington says no um, because Penelope would rather study. Which mm-hmm. also, like, what kind of world do we live in where, like, the mothers, like, you know, fa- the parents are saying, don't study? <laughs> There's a great line where um, I think it's Lady Featherington says to Penelope in that scene. Um, she goes, um, stop reading that book. You'll confuse your thoughts. <laughs> oh, that's um, right. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, anyway, so we get this guy who shows up on a horse and we find out that that's the Duke of Hastings. Right? Yeah. And he, and he shows up on the horse and he takes a sip of his flask, which I noticed immediately because mm-hmm. i was like you know he's he's clearly nervous but it also mm-hmm. occurred to me like back then i mean they had obviously very different rules when it came to like drinking and driving even though they weren't driving i guess yet at that yeah point. well even just access to clean drinking water wasn't really a thing so people were just tanked all the time people were yeah exactly anthony anthony bridgerton okay yeah the oldest bridgerton yeah the oldest and kind of the uh uh the head of the, the patriarch family. of the, the family pa- yeah the patriarch yep. of the family um i in my notes, referred to him as Lord Fuckboy because I didn't know what his name was for a while. <laughs> I wrote Anthony Lord Fuckboy Bridgerton. Always looks at people like he hasn't slept in four days, <laughs> <laughs> and is driving across the country. <laughs> um, so, uh, so there's I'm this- just imagining him at like a side of the road, like gas station. <laughs> Just like, just, oh, I just really need to fill this up. Can we exactly. move it on, He's like running off of like like five hour energy drinks. <laughs> yeah, he like probably looks the most like historically accurate because people weren't healthy two years ago. He doesn't look healthy anyway. So um, he's kind of walking around, and he's there's men that are interested in Daphne. And they're kind of making their rounds because they're, mm-hmm. she's trying to attract uh, a suitor, a guy that's going to kind of like you know, call on her and stuff like that. And he's taking over the head role of the family and and he's realizing that he needs to be step up and needs to be more of a father figure to to young Daphne. So he was he's been banging this soprano, this girl, this mm-hmm. uh, girl is a singer, and and then he says he can't see her anymore. Yeah. But he he waits until after they have sex to say it. Mm-hmm. Which Classic. I thought was like, really, dude? But it tracks for his character at this point. So 
Um, but hey, no, look, he's taking responsibility finally. And um, you're really, you're really taking one against Anthony. He, he, he really seen... pissed me off in that that first episode. He did not come off mm. that well. But in the second episode, I actually I, he started to grow on me. Uh, Daphne runs into the Duke, who's very very popular. It was like a meet cute, very meet cute. Yeah, particularly in a world where like physical contact is like kind of reserved until like ten, tenth base. And um, he's kind of like, you don't know who I am. And she's like, no, I have no idea who you are, but I need you to pretend like we're friends because this other creepy dude named Bebrook, is it? Yep. Yeah, Bebrook is um, yep. hitting on her and like will not take no for an answer. And so they mm-hmm. end up kind of hanging out and getting to know each other that way and charming each other. So uh, that's, yeah, that's what I have for the first episode. Plenty to dig in there. Should I give the sort of... Um quasi-official rundown just to make sure we have everything. Yeah. The first people we meet are the Featheringtons, which include the widowed Lady Bridgington and her eight beautiful children named in alphabetical order. Um, which, I just wanted to pause for a second. Like, that's kind of like a cool concept and it's also helpful for us to remember, like, who's, like, oldest and not. Right. But, like, at what point do you decide to name your children in alphabetical order? Like, do you just name your right. first son Anthony? It's like, that's a nice name. And then the right. second son, they call him Benedict. They're like, oh, that's a nice name too. Yep. And they're like, oh, we sort of have a thing going. And then, like, do they specifically then get to the point where they have, like, Eloise? It's like, which that's kind of a random name, but they're like, oh, you have to have something that, like, starts with E. Eloise. It just seems yeah. a little Im- both practical and impractical. Um, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, all eight in alphabetical order. Yeah. Um, which, uh, so yeah, which helps us, like, remember that Anthony, your pal, is the yep. eldest, and Daphne is uh, the fourth child. The doting of the queen sends Daphne into the season as the one to watch and with a bit of a target on her back from all the other young women. Yes. And she is watched, particularly by one Lady Whistledown. Lady Whistledown. Yeah, not Lady Whistle, Whistlebottom. Whistlebottom. Uh, <laughs> this is, this is, we can have our own Lady Whistlebottom. Um, so from there, we have a tall, dark, and handsome man riding into town on a horse while swinging from a flask, which, you know, is sort of a baller move because horse riding is hard and I'm assuming doing it drunk is a little harder. But also, people didn't have drinking water, so yep. people were just permanently um, probably drunk. This is Simon, uh, the Duke of Hastings, who's recently inherited that title from his dead father. He meets up with a woman called, called uh, Lady Danbury and introduces himself to us in the process. So he knows he's sort of a hot commodity, but he says he's only back in London to sort his father's affairs. So Lady Danbury's party is the first event of the season. Daphne is accompanied by her brother Anthony. She only gets to talk to this creepy Lord Burbrook. Uh, yep. And fleeing Burbrook... Uh, Daphne literally runs into Simon, classic romantic comedy style. So the next day, Daphne wakes up, excited for all the gentlemen callers, expecting she's going to be the, the belle of the ball. Uh, but only two of them show up. One of them is uh, the guy, Burbrook. So at the next social event, Anthony tells Daphne that she's going to marry Lord Burbrook, and she should be grateful that he's figured her life out so quickly. Uh, Daphne storms off, but Burbrook finds her. And after she declares that she'll never marry him, he starts to get a bit gross and attack her. Yeah. And she lands a pretty sweet punch right in his face. Um, yep. Simon arrives and a boxing fan himself is quite surprised uh, and is like, nice one. And Simon and Daphne devise their own plan to pretend they're together so that Lady Whistledown will stop writing about him being so single and available and Daphne will get the attention of jealous, eligible men. They walk back to the party together and dance while pretending to look madly in love. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? Could go and then wrong? we have a you know a bunch of other stuff happening with um, Marina, Marina yep. is pregnant, um, and a bunch of other kind of like side plots kind of opening up. But I think the story of Daphne and Simon is definitely uh, you know the the leading moment, yes. and that's established pretty quickly in in episode one. Yep. So 
I'd love to hear from you, Robbie, in terms of like memorable moments from from episode one. Like anything that stood out for you, and yeah, in terms of that first, um, first yeah, look. totally. Um, the first thing that I'd like to address is like Lady Whistle Down. Uh, she's basically like the National Enquirer. Like she is, she is where all the drama. As you notice in that show, like nobody's reading the paper. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing that those people read is what she has to say. They're getting all their news from one source. It's pretty bad. The fragmentation of uh, of the media we see today is definitely yeah um, having its. And I, I do want to get into this and talk a little bit later in the in um, in our series of the historical context that Bridgerton is set in and how much is yes. really going on in the world, including yep. like pretty big Napoleonic wars that you know people should have their attention maybe a little bit more focused on rather than like you know which 16 year old is the hottest which is essentially <laughs> what the, the queen was spending her days doing right right um, you know the way uh, like in the US and I'm sure other countries world leaders have to publish their their schedules of like what they're doing like day by day I love the thought that the queen just has to publish like or like the modern equivalent of like oh yes today the president went to look at a bunch of like pretty 16 year olds and declared one of them was the prettiest right which which I guess like would be a good day in sort of a, a Trump administration like um but it is particularly funny to think about like like those are the least of their problems like their worries yeah there there are 200 young women that you know the whole ton is focused on and it just shows, I guess, how uh, oblivious they are to the world around them. In the first episode, um, you know, it was kind of cool. It was cool that they um, were doing like these um, string renditions, like these uh, string mm-hmm. quartet renditions of, of pop songs. At first, it kind of took me out of it. And then um, I, I started to get used to it. The first episode is a lot of just exposition, right? And like, you know, here are the characters, here are the world. Um, I think if we were to, consider maybe the sort of like heroes and villains of episode one for you it seems that maybe anthony would be a sort of a villain for you you seem to really just not have taken to him in episode one i didn't know he's just in he's i just didn't i didn't like him in the first episode he just seemed like weirdly full of himself and then like Mm -hmm. i like how like they try to make him out to be like this like honorable man that like no i need to get my life straight it's like no you just like (laughs) like you go you made a bunch of promises to this girl Who's like clearly mm-hmm. in love with you, and and you're telling this her to uh, Sienna, his mistress. Yeah, and you're saying I'll protect you, and mm-hmm. then like a couple days later is like I can't see you. Oh yeah, that's right. And she says, "Well, what am I supposed to do?" And he says, "You should leave." <laughs> yeah, like, that was a, oh god, that was like, outrageous. That was really harsh. That was really. I was just like kind of taken aback by that because it's like okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we're all, I don't know, maybe they, it felt like they were like trying to make it look like, no, he handled that really well, but I don't know. I didn't think so. But yeah, I thought, I thought Anthony was kind of a villain in the, he's not technically a villain, but he just annoyed me. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's fair. Like there's definitely a reading of that. Like I'd always seen it as, you know, it's him struggling against his um, duty, which maybe he doesn't like want or agree with, but as the head of the household, he feels this responsibility. And yeah. but yeah, I agree, he doesn't come across um, super well. Anyone that stood out to you as uh, particularly you particularly warm to from episode one? I I really like uh, Lady Bridgerton, the mother. Mm-hmm. I like her a lot. She just seems very warm, and she seems very supportive of her kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and she seems like a strong character. Yeah, I, I really like Lady Bridgerton, and you see that throughout the series. She's very much there for her kids, and in a 
non-traditional way, I think, for yes. the, the, time, the yes. time as well. You want to say to close out episode one? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Season one, episode one. Cool. You drinking something? Yeah, I had a little whiskey. That's the um, way to do it. <laughs> I unfortunately can't do that because it's 11.30 a.m. over here. But Yeah, that's less, re- less reasonable for you. Yeah. Okay. So episode two, um, we call Shock and Delight. I like that already. And By we call, you mean that's what the episode is called. We just haven't decided to call it Shock and Delight. Yeah. Yes. And boy, does it deliver. So they do a flashback and it's Simon being born. And uh, his father, who's a major dick, um, yeah. comes in while she's while she's giving birth, and he's like, "I mm-hmm. need to know, do I have a son?" It like my blood was boiling during that scene. And I was like, "Dude, shut up!" Like, just yeah, he's, he's so bad, but like good on the the guy who plays him for the case. He really does a good job of making you mm-hmm. hate him. Later, uh, well, his mom dies. Okay, mm-hmm. so Simon's mother dies after childbirth. Turns out that like he doesn't really. Like Simon had a stutter and he was very quiet and mm-hmm. his father is just disgusted by him. He thinks he's an imbecile. One of the things I noticed in this episode is that they say mm-hmm. um, like they, the women don't understand like how you could be pregnant. Um, oh, yes. Like, I really feel like the, the education system has failed them. Because yeah, this do P- not Penelope understand. and Eloise in particular, right? Yeah, Penelope and Eloise are talking about like, oh, I heard that this maid... Um, had a child and they're like well that's not possible well she's not mm-hmm. married how how can you have a how could you be pregnant if you're not yeah. married so they don't know how to have a child so that's kind of alarming but um so we move on and there's a scene where the duke is boxing and it's it's weird to me he's, so? he's boxing with a buddy of his and it just feels weird because it's like they're just casually they're not boxing with gloves or anything like that they're just straight up beating the shit out of each other with their fists and like mm-hmm. neither of them are taking like there's no cuts, there's no bruises, and there's no blood, there's no sweat. They're just like they're just punching each other in the face, and yeah. like it's no big deal. And their hands look fine, and yet they're like the most beautiful people, right? Yeah. So that was kind of weird. Well, I think yeah, that, that's have you the seen a boxer? Of, <laughs> the, 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 the main point of that episode is, um, or that that scene, I think, is just like here are these like beautiful men. Um, being topless right um and yeah i, I like I, I believe boxing at the time they didn't have gloves so that's it was more everything was very kind of bare knuckle boxing right. um so right. but yeah uh, it i think they uh the um the foley artist the the sound person adding the effects on went a little ham a little, on yeah the big like batman style <laughs> like <laughs> yeah 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 they went straight out because they, they... if they're hitting they can hit that hard like that they're big hits um, i know yeah <laughs> and also, yeah. like the Duke of Hastings, Simon is like half the size of the other guy. So I think I know, like I know. one hit from him, and he'd be down. Um, but so, like yeah. they both, they both look great. So yeah, they both look the great. The scene is definitely fulfilled. Yeah. Anyway, so um, there's a scene at the ball where Simon and Anthony are talking. Anthony's like still pissed off at Simon about it, and uh, Burbrick shows up, and he's you know he's like, well, you know, I'm I'm still planning on marrying your sister, and. You promised mm-hmm. me that this would happen and you're going to do right on this. And then Simon spills the beans that he witnessed. Burbrick put his hands on Daphne and mm-hmm. and she punched him. And then Anthony is like, oh, okay, no, you will never take another step towards my sister ever again. You'll never even look at her. Yeah. So Simon ends up walking home by himself. 
Mm-hmm. And then Burbrick confronts him again. Yeah. And starts like kind of talking to him and he's like, well, why do you want to be with her? Like, I need this. Like, mm-hmm. just like, when does that argument ever work? Like, I need this. Yeah. You understand? I need this. And he says, well, you already, you'll be fine. You know, you already have your fame and fortune and all that. Like, I need her. On six pack. In your six pack. Yeah. And, um, and then Simon's like, you are so pathetic. Like, stop. Mm-hmm. Stop trying to convince me that you're anything but a pathetic little worm. And uh, Burbrick <laughs> makes a comment about him being like his father, which immediately sets Simon off. And he's yeah. like, don't you ever say that. And he turns around and he, he just starts beating the shit out of him and starts punching him in the face. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Burbrick's face is kind of ruined. More ruined than it was. More, Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, anyway, so later on, Burbrick uh, shows up at this picnic and threatens to... Uh, tell Lady Whistledown that Daphne came on to him when they were alone mm-hmm. and uh, if they don't go through with the wedding, um, which it's just nothing. Can you imagine? Like, how did you two meet? Well, <laughs> I threatened her and her family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I threatened her entire family. So um, anyway, so Lady Bridgerton devises a plan with her um, with her friend to mm-hmm. um, try and find some, uh, dig up some dirt on Burbrook and they do find some. They find some... Uh, very conveniently. Yeah, very conveniently, like way too quickly. Like the maids start talking and turns out that he had like, he has uh, a child with uh, a woman uh, that he sent away before she was, uh, before the child was born. And and mm-hmm. then next thing we find out, Burbrick has left and it looks like he's not going to pursue the whole Lady Whistledown drama as of yet. Yeah, it's a sort of a nuclear war technique or a Cold War technique of like, okay, well, we both have these nuclear armaments, like, yeah. And so anyway, so the episode um, kind of ends with uh, Anthony and Lady uh, Brid... <laughs> my, my notes accidentally uh, autocorrected her last name to Bridgestone. I don't know why. <laughs> Lady Bridgestone Tires. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We got to see if we can get a sponsor from Bridgestone now. Um, yeah, I think this is exactly the demographic that Bridgestone tires want to want to attract. <laughs> Turns out that uh, Simon's father, the Duke of Hastings, is dying. Mm-hmm. And he goes to visit him. And his father on his deathbed is like, I'm so proud that you're passing on the name. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then Simon leans forward and he whispers and he's like, yeah, that's not going to happen because I'm never going to marry and you're a piece of shit. One thing I wanted just to kind of call out of, like, if your goal is to fuck over your dad, like, surely you could just, like, say that to him or, like, tell him literally anything just to really fuck with him. And then, like, but, like, why deprive yourself of, the, yeah, why deprive yourself of the happiness? Just being like, oh, yeah, like, all the efforts are in vain. I'm going to have no children. Ha, ha, ha. And then, like, the dad dies. I get, but yeah, but once you make a vow, like that's a big deal to to gentlemen. So he kind of screws himself over there a little bit, I think. And then Simon stands there, and he seems pretty kind of you know happy with himself, and uh, and then walks out, and then that's the end of the episode. Cool. Yeah, those super helpful. Um, that one definitely, I tracked that more. Yeah. Yeah, a couple of the things I wanted to sort of dig in, like um, in the present day, Simon and Daphne are continuing their ruse. Banterful back and forth about how many balls they should um, attend together and whether you should send her flowers. And he has this line about, um, you know, oh, if I was actually trying to seduce you, all I'd need is five minutes alone with you in a drawing room. Oh, I, I must have missed that. Yikes. Yeah, it's very sex, sexy and, and hot and heavy. 
But at the same time, like all I wanted was some sort of like family guy, family guy style clip where like he says, all I'd need is five minutes alone with you in a drawing room. And it just cuts to him like playing Jenga or something and being like <laughs> really, really good at it. <laughs> and like, as we've seen, like Daphne and the rest of like the young women, like don't know what sex is. So like that line, like doesn't That's mean true. anything to her really. He might as well just be playing Jenga. What are we going to do in the drawing room with you? And it's like him in a drawing room, like he's juggling. Uh, fun fact, I always thought a drawing room was something to do with, you know, art or illustration, but it's actually... It's not? No, it's no, it's a room that you, like, withdraw into. So men and women would have dinner together, and then after dinner, the women would withdraw to the drawing room, and the men would kind of go to, like, a billiards table, uh, the kind of billiards room or something, and I believe that's where the term drawing room came through, like, the room that you withdraw or go into, not mm. necessarily illustrate. Definitely our favorite, I think, so far, Lady Bridgerton devises a plan to get, you know, her servants to gather dirt on uh, Burbrook, um, which, as we've noted, is super convenient that he had a secret child, which he banished, doesn't support. Yep. So, again, we see the sort of um, double standards here of, you know, the women don't even know what sex is, right. but the men, like, are fucking all around them, can have secret children. Like, that wasn't really the issue. The, the issue right. was he just, like, sent her away and didn't pay for it, which is just pretty bad. Penelope finds out that Marina is uh, pregnant, That's right. but do doesn't know what that is. Um, and so neither Pen Penelope or nor Eloise or, or Daphne really have any idea what sex is. It, like, it is crazy. We talk about how um, most of the young women in this show don't know what sex is, and mm -hmm. um, the men do. But I will say that nobody in this show knows what a carb is. Nobody yes. knows what a carb is. It's there. Everybody is like, everybody's just like so ridiculously ripped that the mm -hmm. only explanation that I can think of is that they just eat celery. Mm. You know, that's one of the pros of the, the romance genre. And, you know, I, I'd love to take a sec to think to talk about this because this is really, I think, one of the bigger romance adaptions that, that we've seen recently. And, and like, these are usually relegated into oh like you know very niche like oh these are you know just for women kind of thing and and this is a show that i think has really sort of broken out of that genre and i hope continues to because yeah you know there's a bunch of great fiction and literature here that just because it happens to be you know set in a period in history that is jane austen-esque or mm -hmm. you know has love in it i don't think it means that those stories aren't we're telling. No, I agree. Totally agree. Like the show is the show is ridiculous, and I will happily like <laughs> like happily admit that it's ridiculousness, but it's enjoyable, and just because I think it's a Roman genre, I, I hope it's uh, you know I hope people aren't self-selecting out of it. I don't think they are. I mean, the show is doing really really well right now. Um, it's like mm -hmm. one of the top five shows in the world right now on Netflix. Okay, we I can't believe we glossed over this. What the mm -hmm. Queen is doing Coke. Oh, uh, snuff, but yes, essentially. She's doing um, snuff. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it's a smokeless tobacco made from ground or or pulverized tobacco leaves. It is inhaled or yeah, snuffed yeah. into the nasal cavity, delivering mm -hmm. a swift hit of co uh, nicotine, of cocaine, of nicotine. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah. Okay, so she's she's snorting. she's snorting. Well, to be fair, like, you know, this is an age where people are injecting arsenic into their face as a sort of a... Um, beauty regimen so I think snuff is probably the least of uh, the, the queen's problems I think one of my like 
um, minor heroes or maybe like person I feel sorry for from the episode was um, the contortionist. So there's there's a scene where the queen is like um, reading, fascinated by the latest, uh, you know, Lady Whistledown publication. And this is fucking, this is unbelievable contortionist doing all this mad shit in front of her and the queen isn't paying any attention. And I just feel like a, being a contortionist, I'm sure, is pretty rough anyway. Sure. Um, and B, like, imagine being at a party and people are like, oh, like, what do you do? Is like, I'm a contortionist. Like, people are definitely going to be like, oh, like, show me. Like, you know this when people are like, <laughs> oh, like, I'm a musician. It's like, oh, can you, like, play something? Like, right. at least you can, like, send them a Spotify link or something. Right. Like, if you're a contortionist in, like, the early 19th century, people are going to be like, I want to fucking see that. Yeah. Like, do it for me now, please. Yeah. And this person is, like, doing, like, the gig of her life, like, performing in front of the queen. That's true. It's her American Idol moment. Yeah. Yeah, the Queen's more distracted by like this gossip about sixteen-year-olds. I think it's outrageous. So, the contortionist is my uh, sort of your hero. Um, the person who I think deserves more of the spotlight than than they got. Um, yeah. yeah, not all heroes wear capes. Uh, <laughs> I guess if you're a contortionist, wearing a cape would be somewhat impractical. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely okay. I think my hero of the episode two i kind of want to say simon i felt like i definitely warmed up to his character i liked that there's kind of a moment near the end where you can tell that there's some sparks are finally starting to fly is it, is it he's like oh like call me simon yeah 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 i thought that mm. was cool yeah i think that there's a call for lady bridgerton i think like she she definitely gets daphne out of it i think lady bridgerton's the og in this episode that's that's a very good point she definitely like steps up and like gets daphne out of like what seemed like a pretty set dire situation so yeah i like i like lady bridgerton she's still like one of my favorite characters um villains uh mm. it's, i mean this one seems pretty straightforward it's got yeah it's gotta be bibrook right burbrook's face just keeps getting more and more beaten up it's just like <laughs> you know every time we see him just yeah like, yeah damn. well he's a character that's that starts off and they like <laughs> have made him look ridiculous yeah, already right. I know. And like the actor does a really good job. He of, does like, a great job playing him in a pompous sort of way. Yeah. And then he gets like one little jab from Daphne. So like his eye is gone. And yeah. then Simon goes to town on his face. Yeah. Um, and I sort of just, I think like one thing I do like about Lord Burbrook is like, and maybe you see it from his mother being also like on a different planet. But like he there's this sort of self-righteousness to him that I can't help but sort of appreciate. Like, even with him, like, very mm. much being a laughingstock in the Lady Whistledown. He's, um, he's still pretty self-assured. He's still like, no, no, like, I, like, I'm going to get this. I sorted it. And, like, to be oh. fair, like, comes up with, like, a pretty genius plan to be like, well, I've entrapped you into getting married, so I win. Um, and, you know, if he hadn't had the save the day sort of um, Hail Mary situation from Lady Bridgerton, like, he would have won. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. Don't be wrong. I'm definitely not on Team Burbrook, but I have no. some respect for uh, a ridiculous person in a ridiculous situation. I would love to see a Burbrook, like just adventures, sort of like a Wooster and Jeeves um, kind of like setup, I think would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I could easily see that. Well, and I would love the opportunity to do a podcast about that. <laughs> Burbrook. To start a fictionalized serial podcast following like <laughs> Burbrook on his adventures. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was episode uh two. 
I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I liked I like where it's headed. But yeah, I wanted to you sh- shared some quiz with me. Um yeah, I'm looking one. at it now. Have you done it or should we It's a BuzzFeed quiz that I'm actually just finishing taking now and there's some great questions in there. If you haven't had the chance mm-hmm. to go look it up, I would go check out the Bridgering the Bridgerington. Jesus. The Bridgerton Featherington family quiz on BuzzFeed. It's kind of uh, it's pretty entertaining. This one's hard. Um, it was choose someone you tell your secrets to. Lady Danbury, Penelope, Eloise, or Colin. I picked uh, Eloise. Mm. I think she's cool. Between Colin and Eloise. I think Colin is very loyal. Uh, like almost kind of like a little puppy. Yeah. I feel like my secret would be safe with Colin, but I feel Eloise, like while a good person, is a little bit more off the world and at a time where that information might be of use to her, I think she might use it. Well, I just finished my quiz. You want to know who I am? I got, I'm a Featherington. It says, you belong Ooh. in the Featherington family. You're well known for your wit and sharp personality. You know that you're not the most poised, but you have your incredible imagination and strength to rely on. Quitting is not an option for you, and whether uh, and whenever you're faced with complications, you use your resources to claim your victory. You're often overlooked, but that doesn't stop you from getting what your heart truly desires. Oh, I just just got it. What do you get? Bridgerton. Oh, you're Bridgerton, huh? You belong in the Bridgerton family. Well, I guess there's already a Benedict Bridgerton, so I guess I could just be him. Um, you're the flawless face of society, and you seem to succeed in everything you do. That doesn't mean your life is free of drama, but you do have a classy way of addressing it, which others can only admire. You mostly live by the book, which can prevent you from enjoying life. You understand love more than most people, and you don't let your compassion go unnoticed. Well, mission accomplished. Thanks, man. Yeah, um, um, I guess we should get going. I gotta go watch uh, episodes three and four now. Yeah, I, I have nothing to do, really, but we probably should end, end the show. <laughs> All right, well, thanks for having me, and um, I guess I'll see you same uh, same time and place next week. I'll see you next week. All right.